his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Tuesday, December 5th. Had a little bit of snow in the early morning hours as I was getting up early to drive my wife to the airport. Because that's what you do. And then you try to rub it in and try to parlay it into something good for you, right? Isn't that, isn't that how marriage works? I think so. I uh, hope you're having a good day. Welcome to Drive Time. Our first hour had lots of good stuff. Chris Lindahl talking about the growth in townhomes uh, and the change in interest rates this week. He said things are starting finally to shake again in the regular housing market. You can check out that interview plus our hot, hot conversation about whether Minnesota would be better off if we just had no snow. And didn't have a white Christmas. All of that on the podcast, which you can find just by searching Derusha, D-E-R-U-S-H-A, wherever you get your podcast. It is Tuesday. It is 4 o'clock. It is time for Derusha Eats. Derusha Eats is brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and by our friends at Liquor Boy in St. Louis Park. When the holidays come around, there are certain restaurants that always come to front of mind, places you want to go to with your family, with your friends, places that evoke nostalgia, but also still get the job done, right? Nostalgia is not enough uh, without good food and great service. And for me, the holidays always makes me think about Jack's Cafe in Northeast Minneapolis. And Bill Kozlak is with us today. And I know you don't, take that responsibility lightly, right? Because you see some, so many groups, especially that come back this time of year. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on today. This is, as they say, our most wonderful time of the year. Um, our family, everybody has a memory from age three on of being at Jack's during the holidays. It's, it's just different. And yes, the big groups and they were flooding the, the restaurant already last weekend. Thanksgiving is sort of when it starts, right? Absolutely. We served over a 1,000 on Thanksgiving, and the corporate parties followed right away this past weekend. What does it mean when you think about your family, your family legacy, and how how Jax kind of links into so many memories? Uh, and new new memories, of course, for people who still maybe it's their first time when they show up. But you guys have been around for, what, 93 years? 90 years. 90 years for Jax. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was young getting in and my dad would greet customers and he would talk about, I used to put that one in a height chair or a booster chair and then they were in for prom. Now we're doing their wedding or their retirement. And it seemed like I'd never get to that age. And now I'm seeing people that 
I used to put in a high chair. We had a family that was here this year for Thanksgiving, 57 straight years, other than the COVID year when they couldn't be there. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of memories people make at Jackson's. It's actually one of the greatest things when people come in, and I always say I get a hug almost every day, and somebody has a story to tell me about their aunt, their grandma, or somewhere along the line of work function or their prom, and it's really neat to hear the stories. You're third generation? I am third in the business, fourth in the building. Fourth in the building, because yeah. before it was Jack's Cafe. So in 1910, my great-grandfather built the building. It was it was furniture store, a little bit of everything, maybe some bootlegging going on. Maybe. Yeah. Can't confirm or deny. No, no. Uh, and after Prohibition is when it became. Yeah. And actually, so 90 years ago on this day, Prohibition was repealed, and shortly after, uh, it originally was Jack's Bar and then became Jack's Cafe. And uh, shortly after, uh, with the second liquor license in Minneapolis. It was much smaller seating-wise than it is now, right? The original restaurant was the, when you walk in our bar, the original bar. There was actually three different doors into the building. So there was the original bar was the cafe, and the next bay was a pool hall and an ice cream joint. My dad used to live in the back bay. Then it was a liquor store for a while. And over the years, it evolved in each Room became more restaurant with demand, and the upstairs became our banquet hall. Bill Kozlak is with us. When when you think about uh, this time of year and the memories and the importance, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the way Jack's fits into that, how do you make sure? I mean, you are still a restaurant where sometimes you have an off night or whatever. Mm-hmm. How how do you sort of, I don't know, like not psych yourself out by by putting the pressure on of that because it is it is a bit of pressure i would think it is i mean last weekend is is about a normal july what we did in a weekend you know it's it's that much bigger that that much much greater it's endless planning it really is and it's keeping records from year to year each day each meal meal period i mean the last two nights we were closed i take home you know each day of the week moving forward with me i'm I'm monitoring the reservation so we don't overload the chef. Uh, we're trying to spread things out. And great weather really helps because if it snows or the threat of snow three inches in December now, it can throw the whole night off. So you're with me. You would be fine with no snow all throughout December. Yeah, maybe it snowed a little bit on a Monday or right on <laughs> Christmas. But, yeah, it it, it, it can be. I've had Because people cancel like crazy, right? Three days prior to the actual snow. I mean, I've had $150,000 swings just in sales on snowstorms, not to mention plowing bills with our big parking lot. How many times have you, like, cursed Paul Douglas's name in your uh, career? <laughs> I've shed a tear or two on a Saturday <laughs> in December. The problem is you don't rebook that business, right? Yeah, there's not – every day is full in December, so they can't they not can't come, come Saturday, right. but come the next Saturday. Interesting. So that, yeah. that money is just gone. It's just gone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the business it is. In, in Minnesota. You know it. but and, and we've had many great years, like so far, knock on wood, this year has been. And like last year, we seemed like we were plowing snow every every Saturday, and it, it, it was different last year for sure. Bill Kozlak is our guest from Jack's Cafe in northeast Minneapolis. Um, steaks is sort of the hallmark. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, how do you balance the need to really respect the history and have the same items that um, people expect every time, but also like, you know, people want to see some new stuff occasionally. Right. right. I let my, I give my chef creativity with his specials and he does a great job with sea bass and other fish that he brings in and other, you know, pork and other 
beef and veal from time to time. At the end of the day, we don't change our menu very often. Uh, we never got caught up in, uh, you know, the trends and when it was heart healthy or low carb or whatever, you kind of try. But at the end of the day, people on a diet, the night they're coming to Jack's, they push their diet aside. And and it's the one night maybe they're having prime rib in a month. Right. So right. Uh, we listen to the customer really and we we plan with them. Why is your prime rib so good? Uh, I always say it's the au jus and the seasoning. We have our special special Jack seasoning and put a nice rub on it, obviously slow cook it, and then it, it's the au jus and the right balance. Yeah. And, you know, we do it every night. There's some places that only do it on the weekends. True. So that it's the wraps. I think so. It is. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about the menu real quick. Back in my dad's first job, we used to raise our own chickens in what is the loading dock now because in the war era, they had ration points of how much meat they could buy. And so to be able to buy more steak – they raised their own chicken, so they weren't using their buying points on, on other things to, to be able to have more oh, steak than anyone else. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, a lot of funny stories like that. It you I mean, you grew up in the restaurant as a kid. Mm-hmm. You were a, a busser and a dishwasher and all of that stuff? Yeah, I started – well, my first job was my dad had me paint the parking lot fence, and I realized in a hurry I didn't want to be a painter. <laughs> How old were you when he made I'm you do that? Probably 12. Yeah. And then uh, I shoveled a lot of snow – I was a busser and a bartender, and, and I worked other bartending jobs throughout college, and and it just kind of – it was in my blood, and it has to be if you're going to be good at it. You are uh, one of the most uh, loyal uh, Johnnies that I know. <laughs> I'm up there. <laughs> what what did – kind of when you think about the St. John's experience, yeah. what uh, – what, what did that mean to you, and how did that sort of make you the the business leader and the person you are today? Um, it's a tight-knit community, and the Benedictine way, hospitality is one of the factors. And you may not realize it while you're there, but there is a serious brotherhood and a bond between the two schools and the people you're with. Um, my son goes there now, and he was hell-bent that he probably wouldn't go there, and now he is— Loving it every bit of the way. It really is. It's a small community, you know, and people work together and and party together and have a great time. And the, the amount of pride is unbelievable. And the ability to do business with each other is off the charts. The networking is, is second to none. It is. You know, I have a high school junior. Mm-hmm. My my youngest is off at college right now, too. And I always tell Sam, I'm like, I know that, like, you want something bigger than St. John's. But, like, there is something special in that group of alums and, and how loyal they are. It is. We had, a, we had a group this past Sunday night of current students that did a fundraiser for a project, and they've been doing it with us for about 20 years now or 15 years. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, as I told some of my kids, you want to go to a bigger school, that's fine. You'll end up hanging out the two same two or three bars <laughs> over four years <laughs> as a small school. So there is that. It's, there is it's that. all the same. Yes, I w- I was in St. Joe last weekend, and uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of very young looking college students <laughs> in some of those bars. Is it just that I'm old, or uh, uh, you we're know, not I mean, old? We're mature. That yeah. town is growing up nicely, though. It's yeah. it's it's a fun little town. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're getting some text asking you about brunch, so I'll ask you about brunch. I want to ask about the matchbooks. I mean, that's such a of part of the Jack's Cafe lore and uh, part of how you give back to the uh, community as well. 419, drive time with DeRussia. DeRussia Eats, it's brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and by Liquor Boy here on CCO. DeRussia Eats, 
Jack's Cafe, our focus today. Bill Kozlak is our guest. The Matchbook. Uh, I still have a matchbook for my wife's birthday. Uh, We just got a text from a good customer of yours who has a matchbook cover for Pete Warren. Um, How did that get started? Pretty sure it was my Uncle Joe. I had seen it somewhere, and then a salesperson uh, came to town and, and showed them the embossing machine. They're, they're embossed. It's a heat embossed deal. It's not fun making them. No. And once they started doing them, uh, it had everyone – back in the day, it was everyone's name. Like Jason DeRussia came in every day. We'd make him Jason DeRussia every day unless you asked for something different. Something special, yeah. right. Which has been a lot of will you marry me, will you this, will you that. Yeah. Uh, but it, we've talked about, you know, should we still do it? I mean, it's expensive to do it. It's hard to find people to do it. Because someone has to it. do it. Someone oh, yeah. has to. F- I did a TV story on it once. Yeah. It's and- little typesets. You don't, there's no computer age to it. Right. Yeah. Right. A heated foil embosser. Uh, you can't get rid of it, though. No. We, no. We, we did the math on it, and we can't get rid of it. Right. Yeah. Put, it, the, put the cost in the food. We'll pay for too it. Too many memories. <laughs> when we had, I think, our 75th anniversary party, we had a floral arrangement uh, for the party. And in the floral arrangement was on sticks, like 20 different matchbooks that this family had saved over the years. And it was their birthdays, anniversaries, first communions. And they they had them all in the arrangement. It was really neat. Bill Kozlak is our guest. Uh, brunch. A texter asked about brunch. Uh, that has uh, become really a big deal, hasn't it, brunch? Yeah, and for, you know, in the 80s, we had the big buffet brunch that we did every Sunday, and COVID changed that. And uh, so now we do the buffet on basically the holidays. We'll do it on the 24th. We'll do it the day after Christmas. And then, you know, New Year's, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter. So some people are, are bummed out that we don't do it every Sunday like we used to, but the price got so high on it and not doing lunch every day. They're just, it didn't make sense to still do it. So we do an order from the menu brunch on both Saturday and Sunday, and it's been great. It's a great menu, and we still get the buffet out about 10, 12 times a year. When you look at, um, you know, the trends, and you said that you you guys have looked at things and, like, Mm -hmm. really you just have to stay true to what you're about. Mm -hmm. But your neighborhood has really changed over the years. Absolutely. Is that has that been good for for you? It's been great. When I first started hanging around in the seventies and eighties, um, all the you know there was Jacobs, so there was still the Wigan Bottle, uh, Little Jacks. There was a there was a bunch of re- the Edgewater, and there was a bunch of restaurants and dive bars. And then a lot of them went away, and now some are coming back, and they're coming back in new forms. And it's been great. Uh, you know, when High High opened up or Psycho Susie's, you get a lot of people coming to the neighborhood, the old Gostoff, and often they'd come and it, maybe it wasn't for them or maybe it was a long wait and they'd decide old Reliable Jacks is right up the street and we'd see him again. You guys obviously, you know, as part of being a an iconic restaurant around so long, you, you give a lot back to the community. Mm-hmm. But one of the efforts that I wanted to ask you about was the uh, – uh, a volunteer and charity effort that you mm-hmm. do for families of fallen police officers, mm-hmm. because I just think it's so special. Yes. The Minnesota 100. It is the Minnesota 100. Yes. So they've been meeting uh, at our, at our restaurant for years. And I came on as a board member about two years ago. And actually my dad's uncle was the first highway patrolman on a motorcycle to die in the line of duty. His mm-hmm. name was also Bill Coles, back in the thirties. 
Um, I got involved just by getting to know the people on the board when they met at Jack's, and uh, and it was something I signed up for right away. I've helped raise a lot of money for the group and have um, hosted different events for them. They give money to to the and, families, right? Yeah, so it, it was originally 10 businessmen that sat around and threw 100 bucks in the table of 51 years ago. But it's uh, injured or killed in the line of duty. Mm. And so, you know, we give up to currently up to $50,000. If somebody is killed in line of duty, and then there, there's a matrix of other amounts for different things, but yes, it's cool. And then we just sent checks to all the the kids of those families within the last two years for Christmas. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great organization. Bill Kozlak with Jack's Cafe. I mean, that's part of I think you know when I look at Jack's and and some of the especially the family run mm-hmm. restaurants where still when you go in there will be a family member there. It's those kind of things where you like you want to make sure that those places still stay around, you know. Yeah, and and it means a lot, right? There's there are some people that say I never see you, and then my manager will say, "Well, he's here pr- pretty much every day." So you <laughs> right. missed him on one of the few. Right. But it, it does mean a lot. Uh it's great to to teach my managers who these people are and what they mean to Jack. Sure. Uh, I took some grief uh, years ago when I pu- uh, when I published like a picture of a martini that I had at Jack's Cafe, <laughs> that all of the fancy pants bartenders were all upset that there were shards of ice in the gin martini that I Beef had eater. at your bar, Beefeater, which is the correct gin. Whenever I order a martini and people ask what I want and I say Beefeater, people look at me like I'm out of my mind. Well, beef eaters today's Tito's of vodka for fifty years. That's all anyone drinks. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good in a martini. Yeah, uh, old school drinks. Yep, and the and the the shards are because they just shake the hell out of it. Yeah, and uh, I like it. I I do too. I mean, it, it wasn't watering down the drink. It gave you that absolutely good first not. Sip. <laughs> no, it still got the job done. Yeah, you don't need to worry about that. Uh, three restaurants that you like to go to when you're not at work. Sure. Well, lucky enough, I'm old enough to remember I got to go to the Flame Room and the original Dinopoly downtown and the Nankin. Those are gone, mm. but Charlie's, I had the experience. But my go-to is Bella for sure. Murray's, grew up, we're friends. And then Listo Mexican of Northeast Minneapolis, best barbacoa from here to Mexico. Listo? I don't know that place. Oh, you got to get to know it. It's off the charts. Family-owned little Mexican restaurant and a little strip mall right behind the quarry in Northeast Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. They're great people. All right. Right on that that like edge of St. Anthony yep. uh, over there. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, Bill, I appreciate you. I love Jack's. And people shouldn't sleep on it in the summer, too, because that patio is the best. Thank you for having me. Yes, we'll see you many time. Thanks, Bill. Merry Christmas. 431, Drive Time with Russia has weather and traffic coming your way next here on CCF. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. 
Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why does the economy feel off? Do you feel like the economy is good? Yes, the bar graphs and the charts and the data indicate that things are improving. But poll data shows that even Joe Biden voters think that the economy is poor or fair at best. There is an interesting disconnect going on right now between what the economists say what the political class is saying, and what our lives feel like. I heard someone say on Twitter the other day that they've gotten pay raises, they're making more money than they've ever made, and yet they feel like they have less money than they've ever had. Things feel tight. So we wanted to bring our expert in the economy on from Augsburg University, Dr. Jean Bay. She joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jean, nice to visit with you. Nice to visit with you. It's such an interesting phenomenon because the the data does uh, indicate that the economy is not bad. And you can question, like, I I wouldn't say it's exactly humming along like a well-oiled machine, but the economic data is generally good. And most of us, regardless of politics, feel like it still doesn't feel great. Like, what's your take on what's going on? Well, when you look at the economy, people will say people's wealth is higher and people's wealth is higher, particularly if they bought homes, you know, two or three, two or three years or earlier. Right. That wealth is up. But that's that's wealth. That's not income. Right. Right. And what I can't pay a bill. I can't pay a bill with my increased home value. Right. And and people who don't have a home are locked out now. Right. So people think about when economists think about the in the, the economy, we think about people buying homes. We think about buying cars. Right. right. And you the average household can no longer afford to buy a home. Not only are interest rates higher, the prices are higher, right? So they're locked out of the housing market. And if you think about buying a car, um, you know, three or four years ago, it took you like 33 weeks of income to buy a car. Now it takes 42 weeks. And the average new car payment is over 700 a month. So, of course, people are looking at that, right? Those are real things that show up in your life every day. Right, right, right. The the cars on the road are getting older, and they look at the cost of replacing the car, and they think, I can't do it, right? And so, also, yes, the inflation has come down, but the prices are still higher. So, on average, grocery prices are still like 30% more than they were a couple years ago. That makes a big difference, right? So, even if my income is up, my real income isn't up that much, right? What can I buy with it? Okay. Yeah. And so that, and, and even gasoline prices, yes, they've come down, but they're still higher by almost a dollar than they were three or four years ago. So, so people feel losses. That's what we know from social psychology, twice as much as they feel gains. And we know it because more people are working second jobs. 
credit card debt has gone up and credit card debt has become more expensive. And so people are struggling just for day-to-day expenses. Yeah, I think Gene Bay is with us from Augsburg. And and that that's my take on this, Gene, that the reality in some of this makes me wonder if if economists are looking for different ways to to get a measurement, to get a more accurate read on what is really happening, because you feel like, you know, you, the 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 New York Times will tell you that the economy is doing well and you see the latest data and you're like, ah, it looks like it should be pretty good. And then you go to McDonald's where prices are up, you know, 15 percent or you go to the grocery store where prices are up. You look that car payment, like you said, and you think, like, am I dumb? Like, why do I not feel uh, why do why am I not feeling it? Are, are we measuring things in an outdated way? Well, part of it is like uh, the job opportunities and labor turnover survey just came out and it it indicated that there were um, in some ways the, the job market was faltering a little bit. But part of the problem is we um, they, that that survey is only 32 percent actual numbers. Mm. The other the other large percentage is estimated. And so what happens is what you've seen over and over again is the job numbers come out and they're very strong and then they're revised a couple of months later and they're always revised downward. Right. Right. And so, and so one of the things we see is people, you know, people have asked me what is going to happen at Christmas and retail sales retailers are not confident. They're going to have a great Christmas. They think they're going to have a pretty good Christmas, but they're not hiring as many people. And, you know, like a year or so ago, people were giving signing bonuses and doing all those kinds of things. They're not anymore because there's not quite as many jobs. People are more reluctant to cut their to, to uh, quit their jobs. And that makes a difference in how people feel, too. If they feel like I can quit this job and get a better one tomorrow, that inspires more self-confidence about the economy. And people don't feel that right now. Yeah, it's been an interesting change when early on it really we felt like we had the power uh, right. to to make that. And there was a lot, you know, I think I, I saw a, a report the other day looking at employment and looking at the idea of people quitting jobs. Right. We had this whole yeah. uh, discussion about that going on. And, and the truth is, like, uh, it seems like overall a lot of people who were quitting uh, that that maybe it just wasn't as big of a deal as it felt like in the moment or as it was presented to be. Well, and some of the people who were quietly quitting were formally, formally fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it always feels better if you can quietly quit as opposed to be officially fired, right? Yeah. Exactly. No, it's exactly. True. And one of the nice things was that um, in the last, you know, two or three years, the lower income groups, like in hospitality, et cetera, saw their saw their wages go up more than people in the higher income groups. But that's being that's being cooling too, because like restaurant meals have gone up twenty four percent, right? Yeah. So people are thinking more carefully about whether I should go out to eat or not, and of course, so. You know, it's, it's, it, it does affect how people feel, right? You go to McDonald's and it's not inexpensive anymore. Right, right. And I think some of that, for sure, when you look at some of the food companies, especially uh, achieving record profits, and you say, all right, how much of this is, you know, is taking advantage of the situation? But the truth is people seem to be 
still willing to spend. So the the behavior of the consumer is sort of uh, outside of the normal lines, maybe because people saved up a lot of money during COVID. But if you look at the debt load that people are taking on again, it looks like we're sort of getting back to the way we used to be. People don't have the savings they used to have. And maybe that's why people are feeling more of uh, the the unease about the economy because they're they're borrowing money. They're using credit cards. Yeah, credit card debt went up by the highest percentage, the highest number, absolute number since 1999. And of course, the interest rate on credit cards has gone up substantially. Right. So when that debt starts coming due, that's a problem, right? That That is going to be a problem, right? Oh, no doubt about it. And people that people are going to be shocked when those those uh, high percentage loan bills come due. What's your as you look ahead and and it remains to be seen from a political standpoint when we get into the election, you know, how much is the economy going to be an issue? The the polling at this point doesn't seem to indicate that, you know, while people are dissatisfied with uh, Joe Biden's administration, people don't largely seem any uh, more eager to trust Republicans to try to fix sort of the situation we're in. What's what what's sort of your your take on on where things go? You know what? If I knew that, I would be a very, very wealthy woman. <laughs> I would okay. like you to tell me and then we can both cash in <laughs> and we don't ever have we, we can have this conversation in Aruba. It'd be much better. That would be- that would be really nice. I would like that, right? I mean, the the fact of the matter is it's hard to know whether cultural issues will matter or economic issues will matter, right? Um, a surprisingly large number, as you said, even of Democratic voters are saying that the economy matters and they're not happy, right? Um, and so we'll just have to see if that remains true or if something else comes into play. I mean, it's a long way away to the election. For sure. I do think it would be helpful if people would stop telling us that things are good when in our real lives we all know that they're not. And so that is a difficult pill to swallow when, well, look how great things are going. And you say, "Ah, no, they're not going that great. Well, and and you think about the housing market. So people who bought starter homes, right, they in some ways, as, as people have said, essentially won the lottery, right? Because since then, house prices have gone up and mortgage rates have gone up. And even though their net in, their net wealth has gone up, they can't do anything with it because they can't sell it, right, to move into another home because the, the other prices have gone up and the mortgage rate, they'd have to spend like 2000 more per month and income hasn't gone up that fast. Yeah. And so they, they technically are wealthier, but they feel stuck. Gene, I love having you on because you always just tell it like it is. You tell it like it is. There's no sugarcoating. There's no like uh, economic mumbo jumbo. Like you just you have a great way of breaking it down. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Gene Bay from Augsburg University with us here on CCO 448. We will come back with a conversation about the most important political issue of our time. And that is the effort to name Minnesota snowplows. It is underway right now, and we just breaking news into our into our radio station here. We have the first political ad of the snowplow naming season. We'll play that for you next. For the fourth time, MnDOT is asking for our help in naming the snowplows. I've enjoyed the fun 
of the first couple of times, right? Like, we've had a good time. The names are pretty good. We've come up with some clever ones. One year, there was Blader Tot Hot Dish. Another year, there was Control Salt Delete. Another year, there was Snowby Juan Kenobi. These are clever names for the Minnesota Snowplows. Today, it is back. Fourth annual Name a Snowplow. And already, we have our first advertisement for one of the candidates that is hoping you'll submit this name. Winter is here in Minnesota, and that means one thing. MnDOT wants us to name their snowplows. Hi, I'm Jason DeSlusha. Jason DeRussia, Jason DeSlusha. I understand this year you will have options when it comes to naming your snowplow. Yes, some Swifty will submit Taylor Drift. Shake it off. It is Jason DeSlusha time, baby. Jason DeSlusha is not about drifting. It's about plowing through the challenges of winter with determination and grit. It's the name that says, I'm here to get the job done. Taylor Drift, you knew she was trouble. It's no time for a cruel winter. A vote for Jason DeSlusha is a vote for a safer, snow-free community. Let's get plowing with Jason DeSlusha. I mean, I love it. That's a great ad. Really appreciate. If they pick anything that. else again this year, yeah, forget it. We should just boycott the whole thing. This is so obvious. This is so just right there, waiting to be done. Right. But I, the fact that yeah. they haven't done it already is really an insult. Well, it's a little suspicious, to be honest. I mean. Is the machinery of MnDOT biased against me, against this program? I would never make that accusation. Well, you wouldn't. I will on your behalf. Thank you for doing that. I think that. we should involve Mike Lindell and figure out what kind of voting <laughs> machines are being done, used here for this thing. Because Now, a couple of years ago, there was a, a data request put out to see what yeah. the nominations were. And... Chasen DeSlusha should have been in the final uh, list of names to be voted on. Absurd that it wasn't. They do have rules for this. So if it's you, naming the snowplow, what kind of rules do you have to have? At min.gov/slash name a snowplow. No more than 30 characters. Nothing vulgar, no profanity, no okay. political-inspired names. So Governor, Governor Saul's right. can't have that. No. But so far, you should be good. Nonpartisan, nonpolitical, yeah, I think. You're fine. I mean, mindot.gov slash name a snowplow. If, if you were so moved by that wonderful announcement, you might make that nomination now. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 
This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.